0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Thanks for listening to Let's Talk Portland, Intercom Radio Portland's weekly public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. It's coming up on the 22nd of this month, and it's the Polar Plunge, the big fundraiser for Special Olympics Oregon. Let's talk about it. On the show this time, I would like to welcome Britt Owens. Britt is the CEO of Special Olympics Oregon. Hey there, Britt. Hi, how are you? Doing good. So today we want to talk about Special Olympics Oregon. Tell me how you got involved with Special Olympics Oregon.
0: Well, my, my career history has always been involved in sports. I've always used sports as a platform to tell stories, engage communities, um, activate brands and corporate partnerships. Um, My history was in the NBA, the NFL, and Super Bowl, so kind of at a a different level. Um, I moved to Minnesota, or from Minnesota to Oregon about a year and a half ago to take this job. Um, my husband hates it when I say that because I actually moved here to marry him, uh-huh. but this job was a big piece of that, and it really took um, my past of sports and, and storytelling to a completely different level, and being able to work with the athletes and the communities um, involved in Special Olympics, I really view it as the most important work that I've ever been a part of. I love it.
1: So in this last year and a half that you've been doing this, what uh, how has it changed you?
0: Um, incredibly, I uh, you know I came into a, a pretty challenging situation. Um, the organization, when I arrived in June of 2018, was really on the the verge of financial ruin, and so the first year was. Trying to navigate through kind of a mountain of debt and I learned a lot doing that. It was something I'd never really done before. Um, but I found this community to both be incredibly philanthropic and generous and kind. Um, and it also showed me the importance of our mission. Um, I've, I've been a part of organizations in the past and I can look to my, my professional sports career where When things start to go south, I would jump on the radio, the sports radio, to see what the fans are saying. And the worst thing that can happen is crickets. You know, If you're not performing well and you don't hear people up in arms about it, that's actually scary. I would much rather lose a big game and tune into sports radio and hear fans heated and passionate about what went wrong and why because then you know that they care. And so to relate that to this experience – When things went really south with us and we had to pull back on our programming and our mission delivery and get our financial house in order, people were up in arms. And we did a seven-city town hall tour um, and went out and met with families and athletes and coaches and volunteers to talk about what happened, answer questions, explain. And the passion that people have for this mission um, it, it When you ask me what wh- how has this changed me, um, I've realized Special Olympics is not a nice-to-have organization. It is a critical organization that serves a very important population. And not having it, the results are catastrophic. Um, and so for me, my, I think my heart has exploded in this mission. It's just... Every day I come to work, and instead of coming to work to make a billionaire a little bit richer, I come to work every day now knowing that I have thousands of people across the state who depend on this program to lead full and active, healthy, happy lives, and their families and their friends count on this program on their behalf. And so um, I know I speak for our whole staff and board, when I say that you know this is this is something that we take so seriously, and it is aside from kind of the, the heavy aspect of we cannot fail these people um, it 's a heck of a lot of fun they 're just the the most outstanding people to get to know and to understand their stories and You know, outside of even sport, which is our focus, um, learning to understand and and appreciate our athletes holistically and everything that goes into who they are and what makes them tick and, you know, what, where their challenges are and where their opportunities are and what inspires them. um, It is just, it's the most moving thing I've ever been a part of. And it's a great responsibility and a great honor um, to be leading this.
1: Why do you think it is so important to your athletes? It it just seems they're so passionate about it.
0: They are so passionate. Um, It's important. So I think the the first thing to understand is that we serve a very wide spectrum of ability. And we always look at ability versus disability. And, um, you know, when you look at our athletes, there are, there are many of our athletes that if you sat across from the table and had a conversation, you might not even realize that they have an intellectual disability. Um, they're very high-functioning. Many of them lead full and active lives and have jobs and are married or have boyfriends or girlfriends and big friend circles and live independently or are active in school. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, we have athletes that do not have that, um, that maybe are in group homes. Or our, their, their intellectual disability makes it very difficult for them to meet friends or fit into society or hold a job. Um, and so Special Olympics, really, um, we provide something kind of for everybody. The athletes who are higher functioning tend to be leaders, Um, In the last year, we created an athlete input council with some of our athlete leaders who really are the voices of athletes, and they help us to understand what's important to athletes, how to make sure that our mission is being built with, by, and for the athletes. Um, And then on the other end of the spectrum, you know, you've got athletes who truly depend on this program in order to be connected to community, Um, you know, we offer three seasons of sport with multiple multiple sports within each season. And, you know, that's eight weeks of training for each sport. And then that culminates with a competition. And for some of our athletes, this is the only thing on their calendar. You know, they, they will define themselves by being a Special Olympics athlete. You know, you talk to them and ask about their world, and it's, I'm a bowler. I won the silver medal last year, and I see my friends every week at bowling practice, and this is my coach. And, you know, when I when I go to regionals, I get to see my friends from other cities. And, and the more you start to understand about how integral this organization is in their purpose, their identity, their value, um, you realize it's not just a hobby. It is truly... Um, a critical part of making them who they are. And so, yeah, that I actually forgot what your first question was, but I hope I <laughs> answered it because I'm, I just, I, I believe so deeply in, in what this means to them.
1: Well, your passion definitely shows through. We're talking today with Britt O CEO of Special Olympics Oregon. Now, Special Olympics works with children all the way through adults, correct?
0: Correct. And actually that I, I find there are a lot of misconceptions with, with what people think we do and what we actually do. Um, I think a lot of people, when you say Special Olympics, they think of a track meet in the summer for kids. And then they wonder why it's so difficult to put that on and how could that possibly be an expensive mission to operate. And so I, I love to talk about the depth of our mission because it really it tends to surprise most people. Um, we serve... Children starting at age eight, that's when they can begin competing. Um, there is a program for young athletes um, that we hope to continue to further develop, but they can start to compete at age eight, and they stay with us their entire life. We have a bocce player in Oregon who is in her 80s, and so that, that shows you know, the, the longevity of this mission and the importance of that. Um we have school programs we're in 50 or I'm sorry 150 schools around the state um where we it's called unified champion schools so kids are able to play and train and compete um on teams the and the teams are made up of half with kids who have intellectual disabilities and half of the kids do not and so it really bridges a gap um and it it promotes inclusion it promotes respect um you know, it, and it in the the impact within entire school environments and cultures reduces bullying. Um, it's really incredible, and there are a few schools um, this year that we're honoring that have become national banner schools, um, which means they've they've checked a few boxes. They have unified sports, um, they have unified leadership activities, and they have all school assemblies to promote the anti-bullying inclusion um, values that that we promote, and so. Big impact with kids, but honestly, over the last year and a half, it's the adult athletes that um, have surprised me the most, I think. They they need this, and you know, kids kind of have an infrastructure around them with schools and teachers and aides and families, but those kids turn into 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds, and they have to find a place to fit in in, in society and in community, and um, we really do make sure that we provide that for them.
1: And if I'm not mistaken, all of the participation in, in these sporting events is free to the participant, right?
0: It is. So if you think of what it would take to fund a, a child or an adult, for that matter, in mainstream sports, and you know, my husband and I, um, he has two kids, my stepkids, and you think about you know, hockey fees and soccer fees and you're paying for uniforms and you're paying for transportation and you're paying for... Food and you're paying for lodging for tournaments yeah. and you're funding coaches and all of these registration fees and there's a lot expensive. to it. There's a lot to it, and with Special Olympics, you know you don't pay to play. Um, we cover all of that for our athletes. Um, and the reason is we never want cost to be a barrier for people who need our program. And so you don't pay to play. Um, everything that, that touches our athletes in order for them to be able to participate is covered by our mission. And so, you know, you, you think about all that goes into that, and it's um, it's pretty incredible. And so we do rely on on support from community um, in order to make that happen.
1: What does it cost to put on a, a season of sports? Because you said you have you've three seasons of sports, right? So winter, summer, yep, fall.
0: Have, yeah, we have three seasons of sport, um, and it's it's about a three and a half to four million dollar a year operation. Um, that and that's to get us to a point where we're where we're you know doing state games and regional games and everything that we would like to be doing. We're not quite there yet. Um, we're working through a rebuilding period after kind of coming out of that very challenging year and a half that we had. Um, but we're proud of where we're at. You know, we were able to produce a fall season and we're entering into a winter season. Um, to give you an idea of of how big it is that we, the, the sports that we put on, um, our fall season, we had four sports, um, basketball, volleyball, aquatics, and bowling. We served over 2,000 athletes um, that trained and competed in those sports. And now we're moving into a winter season. And so there's a a lot that goes into um, Special Olympics.
1: And it's not just in the Portland metro area. It's all over the state of Oregon, right?
0: Correct. We are we are a statewide organization, and um, our staff, our actual paid staff, is very tiny. We have 10 full-time employees, um, which for the scope and scale of what we do is very small. Um, but we rely on volunteers. We have an incredible volunteer network, um, up to 10,000 people a year who will volunteer in some capacity for our mission. Um, And around the state, the way that we operate, so we've got our state office, and we obviously are the 501c3. We're the accredited chapter in Oregon. But underneath us, we've got 30 local programs all over the state. They're county-based, So every single square inch of Oregon um, is assigned to a a local program. Um, Those are all volunteer run. They have a local program coordinator who is in charge of fundraising and booking sports venues and finding coaches. Um, We do background checks on all of our coaches. To be an accredited chapter, you have to have a four to one athlete to coach ratio. So there's a lot that goes into um, just being able to produce our mission. And the local programs are in the hometowns of our athletes. So it's where they live and it's where they train. It's where they compete. Um, And then they go on to regional competitions where they get to go and travel and find meaningful competition. And that's where the expense starts to really build because to find meaningful competition for a soccer team, um, you know, a lot of times you're talking about having to bus them and feed them and lodge them. An example would be a basketball tournament in Turner and Staten will host several local programs, and our high-desert local program from Central Oregon will incur significantly greater costs as they travel several hours by bus compared to the Marion County local program, who will use carpooling and does not require extra meals or lodging. And so those are the dynamics that, um, you know, Mark Hankin, who's our chief operating officer, watching him with the moving parts Who's going to play who? You know, divisioning, making sure that the teams that are playing against each other are having meaningful competition. Who's traveling where? What, who needs to stay overnight? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a pretty <laughs> complex mission to run. So again, when people say, oh, you're, you're a big track meet in the summer, I'm like, oh, my goodness, if you only knew.
1: <laughs> there's so <laughs> much there's more.
0: There's a lot that goes into it, yes.
1: Now, on your website, I see a gigantic donate button. If you go to soor.org, there's a gigantic donate button, which yes. I'm sure you'd be happy to take donations from anybody listening. But there has to be other Absolutely. ways that you raise money, too. How do you fund all of this stuff?
0: That's a great question. Um, So for the first time in 2019, we received state funding, which we hope to remain um, in the state budget for years to come. It was a wonderful acknowledgement of the important work that we do. Um, So that, that helps. Um, but we're also supported by foundations who share values with us and are always we're always looking for grants that can help um, offset the cost of our work. Um, we have wonderful, wonderful corporate partners who have stood by us during our challenging times and have just continued to amplify their support of us. Um, Nike is just. A a wonderful, wonderful partner. Um, Jersey Mike's uh, will be doing a month of giving uh, in March to benefit Special Olympics Oregon. So anytime you go into their stores, the participating stores, you can make a donation to Special Olympics. And then um, the last Wednesday of the month, they donate all sales to Special Olympics Oregon. So that's huge for us. Um, companies like Plaid Pantry, Clackamas Federal Credit Union, Columbia, Daimler, Swire Coca-Cola, Toyota, I could go on and on. We're, um, we're very lucky to have support. Um, and then finally, we rely on donations and people deciding that Special Olympics Oregon is uh, an organization that they want to support and that our athletes are people that deserve that support. And one way to donate, you can obviously go to the, the website and just make a donation but another way that's a little more fun is to hurl your body into the <laughs> cold Columbia River in February and raise money. So that's another way. <laughs> fun,
1: she says. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it. It's coming up very soon. It's Let's the Polar, it. polar Plunge. Ooh.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the craziest events out there. So if you have a little bit of a wild streak or if you're somebody that likes to make a bucket list and check things off, this is the event for you. Um and I so here's my disclaimer. Again, from Minnesota, it is like, you know, 10 below zero and you're jumping into a frozen lake where they carve out a circle in the ice. <laughs> I think this is easy breezy compared to that. Yeah, this is
1: the tropics compared to, nice. to
0: that. Yeah, it totally <laughs> is. Um, no, it is It is quite a chilly plunge, but it is so much fun. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of walk you through what to expect. Yeah, please. Um, so people can go to plungeoregon.org. So PlungeOregon.org. And we expect over 3,000 people statewide to participate in Polar Plunge. Um, It takes place over three weekends in February. So we'll be in Medford, Corvallis, Eugene, Bend. And then the grand finale will be obviously in Portland. And... You basically you go to plungeorgan.org. You can just choose to make a donation if if you prefer, um, but that's also where you would register for the event. Um, if you choose to register and be a plunger, you're asked to either donate or raise a minimum of fifty dollars. Um, most people will go above and beyond that and choose to, um, you know, to really try to fundraise for the event. And so on plungeorgan.org, you create a fundraising page and um you can send that out via facebook or email to all of your friends your family your coworkers and tell them what you're doing you're you're going to participate in Pol- polar plunge you'd love their support and you ask for donations. And it's incredible how many people will support somebody doing something like that. And, um, and for us, it's amazing because we're able to, um, you know, capture a, a wider audience by, you know, Susie's doing the plunge and 15 of Susie's friends donate 10 20 $30 to her plunge. You know, that's an opportunity for us to to reach out to those people and say thank you and kind of expand the awareness of our mission.
1: And it's not, uh, it's an amazing event, but it's also not just people jumping into the water. It's like crazy because people dress up it's, and there's yeah. costumes and oh, all yeah. kinds of stuff going on. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, there's a ton of festivities. A lot of people go who aren't even plunging. They just go to take part in the festivities. Um, There's a 5K, 10K. Um, It's being supported by the Portland Running Company this year, which is new. And we're so excited to have their support because it makes it a very legitimate race during a time of year where there aren't that many races being offered. Um, So for all of the runners out there, this is a great opportunity to get your your long pants on and, and get a good run in for a good cause most of the people who do the 5k 10k end up finishing by running straight into the river so it's kind of a fun way to put an exclamation point at the end of your run um, and then tons of people dress up in costumes, so you know you'll see different themes like you know 1980s wrestlers or Disney characters or superheroes. Um, but it's hysterical. You'll get a group of people; they choose a funny theme and they come in costume. Of course, there's a contest, so um, it's it's really a ball. And uh, you know there's live band music, um, food vendors, beverages. Different you know companies come up and, and have samples. Of things, it's it's just a ball. It's a great way to spend a Saturday morning in well, February. I,
1: I do have to ask the obvious question: Why yeah. are you doing this in February and not in like August? It's How a little warmer would then?
0: August be a bucket list <laughs> item? I mean, seriously, anybody can anybody can dip in the river or a pool in August, but it's it's for the bold, you know. It's it's a way to do something a little bit crazy, and it raises awareness. That's why people talk about it, you know. So. I'm sorry, we are not changing the date for you. It is uh, all right. going to be in February, and I'm going to hound you until you sign up.
1: <laughs> Brent, have you done this before? You're new to the area. Have you have you plunged oh, yeah. in the Columbia River?
0: I, I have. I did the plunge in Portland. I did it twice last year. I did it at the beginning and then somehow got coaxed into going in again. And then I also went down to the Corvallis plunge last year and plunged twice there. So you kind of get talked into going with different groups. So, yeah, I've, I've dunked in a few times and look forward to doing it again. Um, well, give, me the, give me the
1: details about the Portland Plunge. When and where is it?
0: Yep, so the Portland Plunge is on Broughton Beach Park. Um, it is Saturday, February 22nd. And, again, you can just register at plungeorgan.org. And for anyone who just feels like that's not challenging enough, There is one more opportunity, and you can sign up to be a super plunger. That awesome group starts on Friday, February 21st, and they plunge every hour for 24 hours. So they have a tent. Oh, yeah, that's real. They have a tent set up on the beach. They stay overnight in the tent. Um, Right now, we've got about 30 people signed up to do this. That group has to raise a minimum of $3,000 for the honor and privilege of running into the river all night <laughs> and then um they are the first group their their last plunge of their 24 plunges kicks off the big po- Portland plunge so that
1: that is some yeah. dedicated fundraisers right there
0: oh yeah they're amazing and we have uh as I'm thinking about the folks that are participating, there's a CEO of a company. Um, we have a few law enforcement officers. It, some of our athletes are going to be doing the Super Plunge. We've got a couple of members of our Young Professionals Council. And that group has really taken ownership of this event. So they've done just a fantastic job. They're, they're an awesome group of young, talented, dynamic people who just saw this as a really cool opportunity to um, both raise money and awareness for Special Olympics Oregon.
1: And if our listeners are unfamiliar with Broughton Beach it's right on Marine Drive on the Columbia River on the Oregon side and so it's not yep. too far from the it's right out by the airport so it's, it's yep, a exactly nice beach if you're
0: familiar with Stulti's, the yeah. restaurant yep it's right there yeah so it's a nice beach they clean it up very nice we have an incredible partnership with law enforcement in Oregon across the entire state um There's a group called LETR, which is called the Law Enforcement Torch Run, and they do just a ton to support um, Special Olympics Oregon athletes. Um, They focus on raising awareness and raising funds, and Polar Plunge is is one of the the most coveted events that that they're involved in. And without them, I, I can't imagine being able to pull this event off. Um, Sheriff Reese and and his team here in um, in Multnomah County are just incredible in Portland and uh, the entire LETR and LETR Council um, led by Joel uh, Goodwin, Lieutenant Joel Goodwin in Corvallis, they're just outstanding. So we're so grateful.
1: In the last minute or so, we have here, Britt. Tell me why again you're doing this. Why? What's? Where's your passion?
0: You know, in our in our in our office and with our board and staff, we always have you know, a continuing mantra, and it's put the athletes at the center of every single thing that we do. So anything we do, anything we talk about, every dollar we spend, every decision we make, we always put the athletes at the center of that. Um, they are our why. Um, everything that we do is for for them to ensure that they have access, not just to sport. Sport is our platform But it's really about how do we enhance their lives? How do we make sure they're valued as members of our community? How do we support them? How do we honor them? Um, Just getting to know our athletes as people is one of the coolest things that anybody will ever be able to do. They are the most inspiring, um, interesting, important, valuable people that I've ever met and worked on behalf of. And um, that's why we do what we do.
1: Awesome. I love that. Congratulations. Yeah. And best of luck thank with the Polar you. I Plunge coming up. It. Yeah, it's going to be a good well, one this year, you, too. Thank
0: you, and I look forward to seeing you there. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: You may not recognize <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. me. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. You'll be in a costume. Okay.
1: Yes. Thank you, Britt.
0: <laughs> thank you so much.
1: We were talking today with Britt Carlson ows CEO of Special Olympics Oregon. Let's Talk Portland is an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program.